Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am your humble host and rebuilder of the Devin Funches hype train, Pete Rogers. And it's been a while, but I am joined by all of the guys. We have resident old man and the duck father, Clark Barnes, the working girl and Jordan Smith superfan, Jordan, Jordan Love superfan, Jordan Smith. I mean, Jordan is probably also a fan of himself, too. Uh, we, I would assume that. And ginger clean, shaven man, and political wild card, Nick Bodiford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Great. Good, Pete. How are you doing? I am doing well. My big accomplishment of the day was putting in our AC units all by myself. I'm feeling particularly manly today. I lifted them out of the basement. I put them into the window. I had to jimmy out the screen. And and now our apartment is a brisk 70 degrees. because uh it's been running full blast at like set at 60 and it's running at full blast and we're still like in the mid 70s in terms of a temperature good manning pete good manning it is it is (laughs) you hate to jack up the electricity bill but a dehumidifier might help you out a little bit yeah we'll we'll probably get one of those too we're hoping i'm hoping that it's just going to rain at some point and that'll help break some of this humidity but it is like it is 85 degrees and quite warm. And I was telling Clark this before we got on the show. Bert, since everything is still closed because we're at shelter in place in Michigan, uh, Bert hasn't been groomed in a long time. So he is very covered. He's very covered in fur and he's very hot all of the time, which, uh, as you can see, as he trots over here, leads to a lot of panting and just lying about the house looking very, uh, I don't know, like pity, pitying, pitiable. Becca is sure that he's dying of heat stroke. Dog's fine, Pete. He'll be fine. He look at him. Look at him just walking about happily. Uh, all right. Well, we've got some finally some football to talk about. We got some news that we're going to hit on, and then you know, since we're in the off season, since maybe it seems like things are kind of ramping up to uh, possibly there being a football season starting mildly on time. Uh, we're going to start looking at positions and doing some deep dives into positions. We'll start with quarterbacks today, and then we'll progress through in the future weeks but let's start with some news headlining the news this is huge for nick i know nick was really looking forward to uh really thinks this signing is going to be the the change that the seahawks need in order to get back to the super bowl and win one seahawks signed carlos hyde uh, as a veteran backup the biggest thing clark contested this carlos hyde fantasy superstar uh Quietly had a thousand yards last year with the Texans coming in to kick Chris Carson out of the starting lineup and take over and take over the uh, gig in, in Seattle. But really, the biggest thing to take away from here is that uh, clearly the Seahawks are not really comfortable or confident at where Rashad Penny is right now in his uh, recovery from ACL tear. Yeah, I think it's super bizarre, too, because like right after the signing, it came out that Hyde is recovering, I think, from a torn labrum surgery. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So I, you I don't, don't know. need I mean, a labrum. Yeah. Labrum right. schmabrum. I mean, technically, you can just like play with a harness. But I, I, I think Clark and I differ a little bit here. But I think every touch given to Carlos Hyde is just a waste of a down and you might as well punt it. Um, but this is a very Pete Carroll move, bring in a one-dimensional banger who is not very good and, uh, feed him a bunch of touches. So he, he, you know, looks good on the, in the box score. Yeah. The hope for Carson owners or potential Carson owners is that Carlos Hyde has been brought in for the incredibly obvious rushdowns where, uh, everyone else is too tired to get the ball. 
hopefully it will not be a Bill O'Brien like <laughs> move where Carlos Hyde is being brought in to be a key piece of the backfield. Coaching catnip, Carlos Hyde. It, it is worth touching. Yeah, he's like a junior Frank Gore. Um, but Pete, to your point about uh, uh, Rashad Penny, yeah, I think the report at this point is that he's going to start the year on top. So he's yeah. out for eight Which weeks. Which is a bummer. I mean, he. He was looked. He looked good for a stretch of time there before he ultimately tore his ACL. And the Seattle backfield is one that we've perpetually been like, someone just stay healthy and like take control of it because we know how much Pete Carroll loves to run it. Like Chris Carson has shown plenty of fantasy potential. Rashad Penny came in and was like looking like he was going to take over that backfield and be the starting back and have fantasy potential. Neither of those guys could stay healthy. Now you throw Carlos Hyde in the mix, who seems like I think I think Frank Gore Jr. is a perfect. Perfect comp for for Carlos Hyde at this point in his career, where he's just going to latch on to a different NFL team every year and uh, ultimately steal away touches and probably finish with like five to seven hundred yards and a couple touchdowns. So neither doesn't give you fantasy relevance in and of itself, but also de- does enough to deter or detract from any guys in that actual backfield. Moving on in the news, uh, there has been some discussions. This isn't fantasy relevant, but I think it's a fun thing to talk about because why not? Uh, it seems like the fourth and 15 talks to replace the onside kick is uh, maybe gaining a little traction. It might actually come to fruition. I personally am all for this just because I think fourth and 15 to play it out as opposed to an onside kick is a lot more fun given the rules that they've put into onside kicks and how unlike like an onside kick just doesn't really ever seem to work. Um, I know they were starting to teams were starting to get more creative with how they were actually going to kick the ball in order to try to recover them. But I am all for like a fourth and 15 and let's see some kind of crazy shenanigan plays that these coaches draw up for in order to like ensure that not only ensure that you get that play, but also like who's like, let's let's, I don't know if they're going to put in rules or stipulations saying that there's only a certain time frame that you can like implement, implement this, but like, why, why not just be like, you know, pull a Sean Payton or a John Harbaugh as both coaches. So I could be like, we're just going to go for the fourth and 15, like every, you know, maybe once a quarter or something just to kind of like keep things spicy and if, and kind of see if we can quickly tack on an easy extra offensive possession. Can you explain how the fourth and 15 comes into play here? I'm unfamiliar with this. Um, well, Nick, that's really good that you bring it up. Let me just slowly preamble before I open up the news article. While we're looking for that, I will, (laughs) I will offer the dissenting opinion. Uh, it should be really, really hard for you to get a free possession. And I know that the change to the kickoff rules has made it even harder. Uh, but I like that a onside kick is such an unusual and difficult play. You have to remember here. The other team has built such a good lead by playing hard that to take that away for uh, kind of the like, I don't know, introduction to steroids being okay to baseball, whereas home runs just became what every other batter did six times. I don't know. That feels like too much of a big swing to change the game to me. Yeah, basically. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. I think it would add like definitely more drama to the game because like a fourth and 15 is probably easier to convert than an onside kick like unless you have like a really bad backup tight end named Andrew Corliss like that onside kick is going to go to the team receiving the kick almost all the time um so that unless you're like shocking the the other team like oh surprise onside kick you know um so maybe like to Clark's point if they did like fourth and 20 or something like that just to extend it a little bit more because i already think fourth and 15 would be much more convertible than getting your onside kickback so uh stats and information bringing it right up 2019 only eight of 63 onside kick attempts in the nfl were recovered so that's 12 percent, 12.7 percent uh and there were only seven fourth and 15s attempted last year but and two were converted, which is still a higher percentage at 28.6%. So that's just from last year where it's like, it seems like maybe there's a higher percentage you can convert that fourth and 15, but the rule would basically be like, if you wanted to, instead of kicking off, you would just go for a fourth and 15 at, uh, let's see what the AAF said. It looks like they're just going to take the AAF's uh, rule play, but I don't remember. 
fourth and 12 play from the 28 yard line is what the AAF did. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty daring move. I, uh, even though the odds are low, I think I kind of echo Clark's sentiment here where just like really giving somebody another possession is, is a pretty tilting, a game tilting uh, move. I, I, I don't know if I like it, but they did, I think two or three years ago, they altered the uh, the kickoff rules in some way that basically made yeah uh, onside just, kicks impossible. Right. Yeah. yeah, and it's just moving the and they moved the whole kickoff line forward, so you, it was just a whole uh, shindig that makes it much more difficult. Which, which is boring, right? So there's yeah. you know that exciting Sunday night game. We're all stoked. They do the fireworks and the stupid song, and everybody's <laughs> waving to the flag, and then it's the kickoff, and it goes out of the end zone, and it's commercial. Right. So like, what that if that sucks. team just comes like, out and it goes for fourth and fifteen? <laughs> like, we're taking immediate possession. I don't know. I just want to remember, like, some of these rule changes suck. Yeah, no, right? the kickoff, so, like, making the making the kickoff basically an automatic touchback is just like, well, what are we doing here? Why are we? Why are we having the a kickoff only, then? The only fun thing about that is Bill Belichick going great. I'm going to teach my kicker to kick it real high. Which then, like Stephen like, Gaskowski struggled kicking field goals that that seized that first season because he spent so much time like making sure he didn't kick touchbacks that his his field goals were all short. So you reap what you sow, Bill. So much for being a great coach, am I right, you guys? Oh yeah, nailed him. <laughs> <laughs> He's burning right now. Uh, finally, in the news, Joe Flacco signed a one deal deal with the uh, Jets. So good for him. I miss that one. I mean, the the fantasy relevance of it is is mind blowing, Jordan. So I'm a little amazed that you uh, missed it. He's going to clearly he's going to he's coming for hey. Sam Darnold's job. We got some potential backup situations for some Flacco Seagulls, uh, you know, the Jets. I don't know. I There's something there. out of this, Pete. The, the Jets are just like a, a dumping ground for former Baltimore Ravens, apparently. So Just like the state that they uh, represent. Mm. Because they're in New Jersey, not New York. Sorry. It's true. It's true. They do yeah, play fair. in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, there you go. That's the news. NFL be more exciting, I guess. <laughs> Not our faults. Uh, but now we will be more exciting. We are going to talk about quarterbacks today, and we're going to start looking at, to the 2020 quarterback season and just talking fantasy. We've got five different categories that we're going to hit on. Uh, we have who we think is a lock for a top five player, uh, someone who won't live up to the hype, someone who not enough people are talking about, a bold prediction, and our number one target, someone who we are looking at no matter where they are in the draft trying to get in most of our leagues and we're going to do this we're going to do quarterbacks today next week we'll do running backs and then wide receivers then tight ends just to give a kind of a holistic look at the position and kind of what we're feeling currently as we head into it uh so let's start with our guys who we think is going to be a lock uh for a top five pick jordan let's start with you who's the guy which quarterback are you just certain is going to be a top five guy this year uh, barring injuries we're going to take injuries out assuming no one gets hurt top five i thought we were doing top 12 um actually that was for the player who you think won't live up to the hype but we rephrased that to someone who won't live up to the hype rather than who's going to fall out of the top 12 because initially i was like hey who's going to fall out of the top 10 along with who do you think is a lock for the top five and then uh clark and nick were like pete that's a dumb idea what you really should do is say <laughs> top 12 um and then we rephrased it to just being won't live up to the hype but who's a top five lock for you jordan all that to okay. say. <laughs> no worries. I'll, I'll just actually peel back the onion curtain there. I'm going to lean into who I got. I originally put peg this guy as the top 12, but I'm going to, this is also kind of a cop out too. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford um, coming in uh, mostly because he, um, he was out of the top 12 last year after only playing eight games. So there's a good chance of just if he plays every single game that he will obviously score a lot of points, but his, uh, Average in points per game before he got hurt was fourth among QBs. So um, if that's something that he can maintain over the course of a season, he would be a top five. Um, he has the eighth easiest strength of schedule per fantasy pros as well. Um, and this is also kind of hoping that, you know, Hawkinson, who was pretty good in a couple games last year, not a whole lot, but if he takes another step forward and, you know, maybe DeAndre Swift is a nice little piece for, for him to spread the ball around. Um, I would put him in the top five. 
damn, I looking to the future. I have him for another category, um, but Matt Stafford being a top five player would be, I think there is a realm in which it happens. And I think that would be a, a great get for anyone. Cause he's currently going as they think like the QB 15 or so. Um, so there's certainly plenty of value there. And, and it's not too far off that he could finish a, a top five quarterback this year. Yeah. I like the idea. And as, as a value, since he was hurt a little bit last year, uh, it's a really easy thing to just look at the counting stats that we saw from last year and miss and forget about Matt Stafford. We know that his coach wants to run the ball. They drafted a pretty good running back two years ago and then spent a lot of draft capital on a running back again this year. And those can sometimes be the things that stack up against a good quarterback and create that insane value that uh, three months, two months into the season, we turn around and go, oh yeah, no, no kidding. Matthew Stafford's good at football. We should have taken him much higher. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't think that we ended up talking about the Lions when we did the strength, the Warren Sharp strength their schedule uh, the other week. Um, they come in with the 17th softest pass blend uh, of, uh, or blend of pass defenses this year. Um, I don't know that that's really troubling. I'm 17th, it's middle of the road. It's pretty much like, yeah, you're going to face average NFL defenses. Um, to to Jordan's point about him finishing with the the fourth highest average points per game last year, yeah, the, this offense is so interesting. It, it shoots itself in the foot just by Patricia thinking that he needs to run so much for play action to work and for his deep shots to work. And then you know, lo and behold, they they throw deep. Guess what? It works. Um, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, another year, T.J. Hawkinson, and then adding a pass catching back in, in DeAndre Swift. It it all sets the table for a really nice season for. Matthew Stafford, I think that is, he, he carries some injury risk, you know, like Clark said, he was out last year with injury. Um, I definitely like him as like a mid to late round guy. He's coming off the board. Uh, he was uh, the QB 14, uh, which is great. Like, you know, you're getting him as a QB two. And I do think that he will finish as a back end quarterback one. I think top five is super aggressive, but um, it, yeah, he, he, this, the table set for a really nice year for him. Mark, who's a top five lock for you this year? Uh, so I had a tough time with this one, kind of picked a lot of guys that I just like to talk about. So I think that head coaching changes the NFL change teams more than any other, any other sport that we look at. And I think that uh, Kevin Stefanski going to Cleveland is going to be the salve that the Browns were looking for to finally put all of this together. We've seen Maker Mayfield play really well. And the Browns have a ton of talent around him. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb, and the serviceable but not great Austin Hooper. Uh, I think a zone rush scheme and play action is going to be fantastic for Baker Mayfield. Odell Beckham streaking down the field. Uh, Jarvis Landry being able to be the relief valve, I think, is going to be huge for them. So I think this year is the year that we see the Browns finally get over their front office incompetence. And I think Baker Mayfield slips into the top five QBs. Yeah, I love that one. I think that I think he's the most likely quarterback to, to take like a big jump from where he's currently being drafted. Uh, according to, let me look, what is this? NFC, which is like someone told me on Twitter is like the only thing to look at for ADPs. So I'm well, to, to contradict ADPs. that, I like looking at best ball ADP as a mark Perfect. of where people are liking guys, not necessarily where they're going to be drafted. And Mayfield's number 15, QB that's 15 where, in that. That's where he is here, too. Um, and so I think, yeah, he's another guy who we, we know last year's narrative, and I think there's a huge chance that he bounces back in a big way. We've seen what he can do in an offense that's suited to him, um, and I think a top-five play for him is, is not bad at all. Yeah, I have Baker coming up in a different category, actually, but um, it, it contingents on a lot of the same things that, Clark says is like getting a new offensive coordinator that'll hopefully play more to um, this offense's strengths with the pieces that they brought in and the pieces that they already have. I think it's super fun, bold pick Clark. I like it a lot. This is a team that we did talk about on the strength of schedule show a few weeks ago where the Browns came in with the fifth softest pass blend defense uh, slate. So I like this a lot. I think that a top five ranking is super aggressive, but like let's go i think i mean i i would have him in the top eight 
you know, and, and I think that that's way ahead of the market. Like as we have seen, depending on which which site we're looking at for ADP, like I think uh, Fantasy Pros has them as thirteen. So I, I think we're well ahead of the market on this one, and I I like it a lot. Guys, Nick, who's your top five lock? Uh, probably not a surprise, but Kyler Murray. He similar to to Stafford. He doesn't have the like greatest strength of schedule uh, this year. They're they're in the early twenties. Um, but when you compare it to last year, he finished, I believe, his overall QB seven. And obviously, overall point scoring isn't. Uh, it's not Clark's favorite scoring category. But he was, I think, the QB eleven in points per game. And they had a much more challenging pass defense schedule last season. It was around like number twenty eight, I think, for Warren Sharp. Um, so you, you get a slightly, uh, softer slate of pass defenses. You add DeAndre Hopkins, you've got a full year of, of, uh, or full off season of, of Kenyon Drake to absorb the playbook. Like if there was an interview that he did, I think it was with, uh, the Roto world guys where he was saying that, that Kyler was explaining what he was supposed to do in the huddle free play. So when you have a pass catching back of, of that talent who, who is so successful, literally learning the play during the game, and you, you give him some time to adjust the, to the playbook now, I think we can expect big things from Tyler Murray. And, and also his TD rate was, was quite a bit, uh, was, was low. And that's, that is something that tends to stabilize too. Yeah, I think of the guys outside of the top five, this is the most likely to happen. So number seven overall as a rookie and the, the counting stats isn't my favorite thing, but it is a good data point. Uh, so to be able to do that is fantastic. Uh, just a quarterback's second year. Uh, he didn't have a good five game stretch and then fizzle out. He had a, he had a pretty solid season on a team that is not good there. His team is not good. And they added Deandre Hopkins and, you know, it's going to be really exciting to watch, uh, to watch the Cardinals. I was super down on Kyler Murray. I got tired of everyone talking about, how great he was going to be. And, and I was pleasantly surprised to be wrong. He he's going to be really interesting to watch him here too. Well, something I failed to mention is just, they added Josh Jones in the second round. Like we all, we all thought for offensive that, line help. Yeah. Yeah. We all thought he was going in the first round. They, they seriously bolstered their offensive line. Anyway, I'm really excited. About no, it. yeah, that's, that's, that's a good, good point. Uh, my top five lock. We've talked about this guy a lot on this show. I don't think it's a surprise. I think Dak Press, this is Dak Prescott's year to be QB1, like without a doubt. We already know all the weapons that the Cowboys have. We know that this offense is going to be in his favor. It's a contract year. He's going to you know, want to earn that $45 million that he, per year that he says he's worth, which, hey, Dak, go get your money. You do you. Uh, so, yeah, I, and he has a high rushing floor to compliment the fact that he can also obviously is, is can get it spread it around in the passing game. I just think that Dak Prescott is you're, you are going to get what you pay for with Dak. He's currently going as a QB four. Like I would, I take that. No problem. I've been a huge fan of him all off season, especially after they took CD lamb that shows that, you know, a smart informed analytical approach to the game. I really hope that we just get some sort of, of public acknowledgement that Kellen Moore is going to retain rights to, to yeah. play calling. If so, then I will be serious. I, I said before, like I'm, I'm trying to judge whether or not I'm going to have him as a QB one. I don't think I will. I mean, I think Andy, we know Andy Reid's play calling is phenomenal and you got Patrick Mahomes, but that's a lot to argue with there. And I don't think I can put him at a Lamar Jackson, but I think that if we get confirmation that that is going to be the case, that Kellen Moore gets the, the range of the offense, then I, I think that, there will be plenty of weeks this season where he ends up being ranked and finishes as the overall QB one. Yeah. And I think I'm, I think I'm aligned with what Nick's saying here. I kind of feel like there's a really obvious number one and two, and I don't care what order you have them in with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, we said barring injury at the beginning, so I'll just say yeah. it one more time. Uh, I think the quest for number three is really interesting and Dak has been moving in the right direction for his entire career super solid team around him. Uh, the only problem for Dak Prescott may be that the Cowboys may not rely on him quite as much to be a powerhouse. And I'll take that chance. He's a super solid floor quarterback guy with his rushing ability and with all those weapons around him. So uh, paying a, paying the number four QB for him is a little pricey, but I, I think you'll at least you'll get close to value on that pick. Yeah. I like from a fantasy perspective, I kind of like Lamar, Pat Mahomes and Dak like in the top tier um, as far as getting one of those guys. Um, I also really like, uh, we talked about this already with the, um, the 
target spread, you know, coming from Jason Witten and um, Randall Cobb. I can't believe I almost forgot his name. Randall Cobb. Um, <laughs> they had like a very high amount of targets. They each for, had like 80 offense. targets each, which is incredible to me. Yeah. So like uh, CD Lamb should get a good amount of targets. I like Michael Gallup a lot coming in for his third season. Um, even uh, their tight end, Blake Jarwin. Yeah, Blake Jarwin. I always want to confuse him with Connor Barwin, but that's not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like Dak this year. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to move on to players who are quarterbacks who we don't think will live up to the hype. And I want to start this off because I want to touch on who Nick talked about. I just i I am here for the Kyler Murray like MVP bandwagon. Like, let's do this. Let's watch Kyler Murray be amazing in a second year in Cliff King, Kingsbury's offense. Let's see him with DeAndre Hopkins. Let's let's have the Arizona Cardinals offense just become this unstoppable force. I personally just think that the QB three, that the investment you would have to make in, in order to get him is too much. I think that people are, it is not normal what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson these last two years, where in your sophomore year, you suddenly become an MVP candidate like that. I don't think is that's not the norm. The norm is, is that it takes a little bit more time in order to like ascend to becoming the best quarterback in the league in your second year of football, uh, both in the real game and in fantasy. I think we've been spoiled by what Mahomes and Jackson have done. I think people are super hyped about Lamar, uh, about uh, Murray. I think that's rightfully so. I think he's going to be a QB one at some point in his career, even if it's next year in 2021 or 2022, when he has a full off season with all these new weapons and to kind of get everything on the table. I just, for me personally, QB three for him is, is too rich. Uh, I think I would, I would much prefer Dak. And we, I explained why I would take Russell Wilson uh, over Kyler in terms of, in terms of just like, or I guess I would say I would wait for Russell Wilson rather than reaching for, for Kyler Murray, drafting him as the QB three going in. I mean, what pick 46, which is what the third round, middle of the third round. That's, that's a lot for me or early fourth round. Yeah. I mean, I I have to admit while I am excited about Kyler Murray and would not be at all surprised to see him number three and do think he's the most obvious candidate to move into the top five. I wouldn't pay that for it. Yeah. Uh, Just Really, because I like the top two so much that I'll either spend some good draft capital on the top two or just wait. Yeah. I think, uh, Pete, I- I'm confused as to uh, I- I- th- this category. Is it not we're talking about falling out of the top 12? So take it for whatever you want it to be. I-, I-, I didn't know if we were doing the falling out of the top 12 or just like a player who we aren't aren't totally buying the their ADP currently. So okay. whatever we're, we're feeling for me, I just wanted to touch on the fact that at Kyler Murray at the QB three going in this beginning of the fourth round is, is a, is a, a cost that I right now I'm not willing to pay, which is a bummer because I really was in on Kyler Murray and I would have loved to have had him everywhere, but he's just become too, too expensive for my liking. So fantasy pros, you know, has the aggregate uh, Yahoo, MFL 10s, uh, FFC. Uh, they've got him as the, the quarterback six coming off the board. I think that he's obviously, I think he's a lock for the top five, um, but it, it's sort of being on brand here. I'm not going to pay for any of these guys. I'm yeah. going to wait and draft. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to who I'm going to take as like a, who is currently in the QB two range that I know is going to finish as a, a quarterback one, forgive the full language there, but um yeah, I wouldn't pay for Kyler. I wouldn't pay for Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. It's the, the 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 cost to acquire them is so so high that you're you're nuking the rest of your roster in doing so. So I suppose that I agree with you. Although I think he's going to smash boxes. <laughs> I just I did this just so that I could t- make Nick say that Kyler Murray is going to be a top five quarterback. But I also agree with Pete that Kyler Murray is not going to live up to the hype. <laughs> I have Nick in a fundamental pickle. <laughs> You know, I like uh, the Car- Kyler Murray pick, but I also am, I'm of the same mindset where like there are one or two guys yeah. that, you know, I will go for them at the top of the draft because then basically you're just, you've cornered the market on fantasy points for some of these guys. Um, but you can get a ton of value later in the draft, especially with the 12 team um, league. There are, there are plenty of guys that you can go back and get late rather than using like, you know, a, a third or a fourth on somebody who is just going to be good enough to be in the top five. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. So Nick, did you, did you talk about a quarterback in the top 12 for 2019 who you think is going to fall out for 2020? Uh, yeah, I, I got one and we're just we're pulverizing the dead horse at this point, but it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the, the Packers are, yeah. And I don't want to rub this into a space where that is necessary, but they're, they're showing that they're like, we're just going to run the ball. It, it, it's crazy. I don't know why they're doing it. But uh, they are. They're dead set on it. They, it's sort of similar to Matt Patricia where they think that you have to establish the run in, in order to throw well. Um, and, you know, Greg Costell, he's done some fun uh, film breakdown stuff and, and so philosophical breakdown of the Packers. And his analysis is that LaFleur's biggest issue is that Rodgers plays uh, – what is it? It's He plays um, – out of not sequence, but or, or he doesn't play within the system. He's going to audible. He's going to do whatever he wants, whatever his mood is. And don't get me wrong. I think Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal, um, but they want a guy who will play within the structure of the plays that Matt LaFleur designs. And they're investing all of this capital in the run game and they're not doing shit for the passing game. So uh, I believe he finished as like the quarterback 10. Yeah. Last year. Last yeah. Year. Yeah. He, yeah. He was number 10 in overall scoring and in uh, average scoring. He's uh, a bit low. One, two, three. Five, six, seven, Anyways, early teens in 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 game to game scoring. Um, but yeah, I I I think I consider this a layup. Jordan. Oh, I'll talk about Aaron Rodgers for a different category because I. Me disagree. too. Ooh. Yeah. Saucy. It's okay, Nick. By the way, Jordan. Jordan's okay with your Aaron Rodgers slander because he loves. He's a big love, a big fan of Jordan Love. He's a super fan. Jordan Love's biggest supporter. Right, right. right. Jordan uh, loves love. Jordan loves his love. Is Jordan Smith too many Jordans? Too many loves. Uh, Clark, who's falling out of the top twelve for you, or slash what I did? Who's not living up to the hype? Slash whatever you want to make this category. <laughs> yeah, third third option. Uh, so I think the the top five QBs matter, and everything else just comes down to streaming. Uh, so I'm not going to say the top 12, but a guy who falls out of the top five, who's being drafted as a top five quarterback right now, is Russell Wilson. Uh, not based on his talent or not based on my like for him uh, for any reason other than I think Russ slipped into the top five last year because of some key injuries that let his counting stats get up there. And that uh, while we know that the Packers want to run the ball uh, and they may try to do that this season as evidenced by everything that they did in the draft, and uh, what they tried to do last year, we know that Pete Carroll is going to run the ball regardless of what happens to the football team. Uh, he's done, he's been doing it for half of a decade. So I think Russell Wilson is likely to from his position only down to like eight or nine, but to have some of those real stinker games, they're going to make you real disappointed if you spend some premium draft capital on him. That's a good one. I, I agree with that. I think that he is... Well, I just said that I was going to take him over Kyla Murray. Oh, my God. I put myself in my own conundrum pickle. Damn it. Tying him in nuts. <laughs> so since uh, 2016, Wilson's finished as the QB 11, the QB 1, the QB 9, and then last year, I think the QB 4. Uh, he just gets it done. He's the second coming through Breeze. He's being terribly wasted. And I, I understand not uh, taking him simply because there are times when he gets scripted out of games a little bit, and you might only be getting like 200 yards in two TDs um that's that's not the kind of finish that you want to have when you are uh you know taking somebody as early as as all of these quarterbacks go and and same answer here kind of for Kyler Murray yeah I'm not going to spend the draft capital to get him um I do think he'll give you feeling games but uh yeah you know it's a personal thing for me too I don't want him yeah and I want to be clear if I'm starting a team uh Russell Wilson might be my second quarterback that I would take uh but yeah, just for keeping it spicy out of the top five this year, Russell Wilson. The show is all about spice. Uh, Jordan, who's your quarterback who's going to fall out of the top 12 slash won't live up to the hype slash fall out of the top five? Um, so this one's just falling out of the top 12. Um, this might not shock anybody because you might not even know if he was within the top 12 last year. Um, but it's going to be Matt Ryan. Um, he was already fringe um, at eighth last year for um, their QB eight, according to fantasy pros. Um, he has the 26th easiest schedule, according to them. So that's a pretty tough one. It's looking like for the Falcons this year. Um, last season, he got sacked a career high 48 times, um, which 
isn't great um, <laughs> <laughs> for for a quarterback. Who, he's not old. He's not you know out of the league yet. But that's not what you want. Um, and in twelve seasons that he's played in the league, he's thrown double digit picks nine times. So there's a pretty high chance that he will just continue to uh, throw double digit interceptions, especially I mean, sacks aren't an indication of pressure. Likely the, if he's getting sacked that many times, the pressure is just a lot worse. So if he continues to be under fire and under pressure, then that's not going to be great. He has good weapons, all that, but um, I, I think those weapons aren't going to stop him from making mistakes or feeling pressure. Yeah, uh, we talked about this team on the uh, strength of schedule show. They got the 30th most difficult uh, or third most difficult, I guess, uh, pass defense slate set up this year for Warren Sharp. Uh, I think that this offense, though, is going to be kind of interesting to watch. I, uh, there are a number of times in history where we've had like a quarterback duo or a quarterback with two receiver duo who just routinely blow up the box score every week. And I think that this, this is going to be the case with Julio and Calvin Ridley because I, I don't. I mean, Hayden Hurst is still a big old question mark, but outside of that, it's it's not going to be Justin Hardy or Russell Gage. Um, but yeah, I think he's probably being overdrafted just a bit. Kobe riding that Todd Gurley wave. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> uh, all right, we got three more categories we are going to get to, but before we do that, we are going to take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, we are back. We have three more categories that we're going to talk about quarterbacks for 2020. We're going to rattle through these, uh, speed it up a little bit. A quarterback who not enough people are talking about. Nick, why don't you start us off? Who is a quarterback that you think should be getting a little more pub for 2020? Yeah, so I'm, I'm super pumped about this one. Uh, Carson Wentz. He's, he's currently going for fantasy pros as the quarterback 11. Um, but Per sharp schedule, they get Philadelphia gets the tenth softest pass defense blend slate uh, of 2020. Deshaun Jackson is going to be as healthy as they'll ever be. They drafted uh, Hightower and Rieger. Those are both two downfield passing game options. Um, each tight end is another year. I mean, not that Ertz needs another year in the NFL, but the, the, the tight ends are, are improved. Uh, Dallas, uh, help me out here. Dallas Goddard, yeah, uh, another year in the league, another year that he just developed. And with the establishment right now of Miles Sanders and Boston Scott as the one to back back in this in this offense they're both exceptional pass catching backs and now that uh Seattle took the Carlos Hyde boogeyman <laughs> off of their hands really the, the the main running back that they might go sign would be Devontae Freeman and hey if they do that then they're getting another good pass catching back so I, I with with the talent they have around them we saw just like one game where Carson Wentz had someone downfield to throw to with Deshaun Jackson healthy, and he put it up was two a, touchdowns. It was gorgeous. Yeah, so they 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 tripled down by bringing in Hightower and Rieger. Uh, I I think that Wentz is going to light it up, and I I think that he well well I'm going to talk about him in another section here in a little bit, but yeah, I, I'm really high on Carson Wentz this year. I like Wentz a lot too. I think he gets entirely too much shit for. Uh, being the quarterback to basically lead his team up to the precipice of a Super Bowl, but he just didn't happen to play the last couple of games. And I think he takes way too much flack for not being the guy to take them over the edge. It's not like he was playing and they lost. He was just injured. Um, and the Eagles have got to be like the number one candidate for positive injury yeah. regression, right? Like they just were walloped last season. So, yeah. 
I will say I like the Carson Wentz pick. I will say this is, I think, the last year that I'm going to give him the like injury benefit of the doubt. Because I feel like every year since he's come into the league, people are like, we know what Carson Wentz can do. Carson Wentz is amazing if he could just stay healthy. And he just he does he shows us what he can do, and then he'll get injured or he just doesn't have receivers to throw to. So I think I I'm in on him this year, but I think this is the last year if he doesn't like put together 16 healthy games and doesn't you know, kind of play to the MVP potential that we've seen before and what we think he can be, then I think this might be the last year that I'm like, let it would let myself get uh, talked into Carson once Clark, who's a quarterback for you that not enough people are talking about. Yeah. So I always feel weak in this position. Cause I, I tried just to check out of a lot of fantasy football talk during this time so that I can get my ranks and then uh, see what everybody's talking about. But Drew Brees, are we for the past couple of years has had some off seasons and hasn't been quite as good as he has been in his historically high pasts. Uh, he's going off the board in best ball leagues as the number eight QB. So I guess people aren't completely sleeping on him. But uh, are we sleeping on Drew Brees just recovering from injury and still being pretty good in a pretty loaded New Orleans Saints offense? I don't know. Carson Wentz is a lot better. I don't feel like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's good. I mean, I, I think that uh, the addition of, Man- of Emmanuel Sanders is awesome. It's just a reliable pass catcher. I do wish we could go back and kind of rehash that episode that we did where we discussed him. Pete, I think you have a top 24 receiver, and I, I don't think I pushed back on that as, as much as I should have. I think it'll be like kind of a viable CPR flex. But anyway. Oh, I think Emmanuel Sanders yeah. is going to be wide receiver one this year, the best wide receiver in fantasy. Okay. So uh, I will take uh, a <laughs> okay, cool. or worse. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, the, their, their past defense schedule is, is sort of middle of the road. It's number 22. Yeah. Uh, depending on, on where he is, I, you know, if, I guess if, if the market, he's going 12 a bit, is what is according to F NFC. Yeah. I'm probably not taking him. I think that's too early. And, and, you know, we already said that, I, I'm I'm big into to Mayfield um, and Stafford. Yeah, yeah, and when. But I I get what you're saying, Clark. I feel like a lot of the public person or a lot of the stuff about Drew Brees that's been put out there has been like his on the field actual football stuff. Is talking about how his you know throw power has gone down. He hasn't been able to like zip the ball as well as he used to. Um, but those things don't really in like as long as he still puts stats up, which he's going to do. I don't care how hard he can throw the football anymore from a fantasy standpoint. So I do think that like the kind of narrative of his on field play is starting as kind of trickled into like the fantasy realm where people are like, Oh, I've heard a lot of negative things about Drew Brees when it's reality. It's like, well, I don't like, I don't really care as long as he's not throwing interceptions and he's throwing touchdowns at a lot of yards to hell if his throw power has decreased a little bit. I don't know. I I keep hearing Taysom Hill's the future. So (laughs) God, I don't don't have an opinion on Brees. I'm focused on Hill. <laughs> it blows it blows my mind anytime Sean Payton opens his mouth about Taysom Hill. It just it how how is a 30 year old quarterback who's never played quarterback for you your franchise quarterback of the future? Someone riddle me that one. We'll talk about that in a different podcast. Uh, Jordan, who's a quarterback for you that people aren't chit chatting enough about? Um, so we obviously brought this quarterback up earlier. I think people are indeed talking about him, but not in a positive light because it's always pile on Aaron during the off seasons these days. Um, Aaron. So Aaron Rodgers, uh, he has the third easiest schedule per fantasy pros and, um, for the green Bay Packers. So I think that's pretty nice to see if you're, um, you know, a green Bay fan. Uh, I think he's going to want to have a fuck you season. Um, Aaron Rodgers is, uh, I mean, we all just kind of watched the last dance. Um, Michael Jordan was a pretty petty player and Aaron Rodgers, I was getting mad Rodgers vibes because he is also <laughs> a very petty player. Like he will look for a chip um, if he needs to find one. Uh, right now he's the current, his current ADP is QB 11. Um I think it's just good that he'll have another off season with um, the young wide receivers that he had last season. Um, another off season in the Lafour offense, you know, trying to figure out the kinks of that. Um, last year was kind of an amalgam of the old stuff they used to do, and Lafleur was putting in stuff that he wanted to institute. So it got a little bit uh, confusing. You would see certain times in certain games where it was just like really awesome it looked great like greatly scripted out through like the first 
quarter or for the first few possessions, and then it'll start to get a little bit dicey. So hopefully they start instituting uh, more full packages. Um, and it kind of boils down to my uh, overall draft strategy. So if you play redraft leagues with me and you're listening right now, here's my draft strategy <laughs> this year. Um, it is going to be targeting players with consistency. So basically I'm avoiding uh, key players who might have switched teams or, um, well, with redraft leagues, this isn't too hard, uh, rookies, because I think this offseason is going to be tough for some, and uh, you're not going to be able to, you're probably not going to get the same sort of offseason coming up this fall. That's just me speculating right now in late May. Things might change over the course of the next six to eight weeks. Who knows? But as of right now, that's going to be my strategy is making sure I got guys who have played with each other and played under the same coach have at least one of those factors in there. If Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers was getting the Baker Mayfield treatment, like going in the mid teens, I would have him everywhere. Not still in the top 10 for me as a draft position is still a little rich, but like if he was going like with Baker at 15 or Jared Goff at 16 or Stafford at 14, I would buy me so much of the Aaron Rodgers fuck you season because I think that is, if I were a betting man, I would bet on Aaron. Like, I think it's more likely than not that Aaron Rodgers leads the NFL in touchdowns thrown this year because I just think that he is going to put middle fingers to Matt LaFleur every time he takes the field and just call whatever audible he wants and just bomb it downfield until he gets traded to the Patriots. And then he's going to be great there. So we're all set. See, that's the thing. It won't be middle fingers to the floor. It'll be middle fingers to all the local Packers media who are writing to get some clicks this offseason. To anyone who's a Jordan Love super fan, that's, that's who you'll be putting middle fingers to. Yeah, this is kind of uh, shooting my next segment in the foot, but my bold prediction is that Aaron Rodgers is going to be uh, well within the top five of fantasy QBs this year, and he's going to be on every one of my teams. Uh, right now, I'm showing him going as the QB 12. So just a couple of spots above uh, Baker and uh, Stafford, like y'all talked about. I think those That's are excellent later round guys. Uh, but if I can be the last person in my league to take Aaron Rodgers as my QB one a little bit earlier than just pulling the weight as long as I absolutely can and probably cobble together a committee, I'm going to be stoked to do that. Uh, I live on Narrative Street, and I love living there. And uh, Aaron Rodgers getting – static all off season for uh being very jordan like which is uh not jordan of the podcast but jordan as of michael jordan <laughs> michael jordan seems like a horrible human being and everybody is just blowing him because you're such an asshole i do not i don't want to have anything to do with people like that but for fantasy purposes yeah i you think want that baby lie it up this year yeah baby <laughs> so i'm i'm stoked to be the black sheep on this one you guys are out of your minds but uh I, and i'm not gonna out re-outline why the packers are a donkey organization again and again but i do think that there but was let one me tell thing. you yeah, right. Johnson, please don't attack. Right. I, well, if, if you want to i mean i i will draw my sword i don't think you'll enjoy it though but the point that i want right. to make here is that um when jordan was highlighting the strength of schedules he said that fantasy pros has them as number three now when you look over at sharp He's got him as 20, uh, the, the pass defense slate is the eighth hardest rather than the third easiest. And so this is something important that I just want everybody to key into here. When you are constructing or when you're looking for strength of schedules, it's important to, to understand how they're being constructed. And the traditional method of looking at just win totals from the previous season is really ineffective. So we want to be uh, looking at more informed ones based on Vegas win totals. That's, that's the only point I'll make. And then, We'll go back to a season of fighting. Over oh, no. I, I think that's fair. And I mean, my, my strategy for this type of analysis is like, let's make a movie out of it. It's like one man disrespected by everyone around him <laughs> and he's not going to take it anymore. That's it. Aaron Rodgers is going to be fantastic. Boom. Boom. That's the trailer. Sign I, me up. I would like to outline one thing about strength of schedule too, is that generally with strength of schedule at this point of the season, nobody really knows a whole lot about anything. A lot of things can change between now and the start of the season. So. Ooh, Warren Sharp taking some shots. Uh, all right. <laughs> Both of these things can be true, right? Things, like everything. someone can be better at it than anyone else and have it still be like 50, 50. It's true. Right? Yeah, that, no, that, and that's totally true. 
That's uh, why you use up-to-date information. All right. My, my QB to wrap up the quarterbacks who not enough people are talking about. Uh, my guy, I'm going way deep here. I am digging into the, uh, into the cesspool of, of quarterback options. I feel like not enough people are talking about Justin Herbert because are we really sure that Tyrod Taylor is going to be like this, the clear incumbent starter and is going to be taking over the chargers and leading this chargers offense for so much of the season that it renders Justin Herbert fan un, unviable in fantasy. I'm not saying draft the guy, but I just think that we've seen every team is like, let's get the rookie on the field. As soon as things go, go haywire. And if he puts together a semi decent season, he's going as the QB 35, which means basically he's, a f- he's free. But I, I don't see, like, I think if he plays eight or nine games this year, I don't see a world where he, like, doesn't finish a top 25 QB, just given the fact that there's a lot of offensive weapons around there in, in uh, Los Angeles with the Chazes. I don't know. I just feel like uh, maybe, I, I, I guess my, my question is, is, like, are we are we sold on, are we really sure that Tyrod Taylor is, like, the clear-cut QB1 here and is going to be the clear-cut QB1 for enough of the year to make Justin Herbert uh, to render him unstartable or unplayable. My take on Justin Herbert is that he will start at some point over Tyrod Taylor. Good take. That's it. That's the take. Flaming. I think the the thing that we might run into here is um, they, they come in with the eighth easiest pass defense slate. And if, if Taylor is given the reins to the offense, that I think will kind of set the stage for him to find success at least, you know, for some time during the season. I, uh, I probably wouldn't draft Herbert, but nah. I would maybe keep my eye on him. Yeah. Um, I think maybe a, a crazier thing is with this got me thinking about is, is it weird to use like your last pick in the draft on Cam Newton? Okay. Like, That's my bold that prediction. Crazy? That's my bold prediction. Is okay. It? Okay. We're getting okay. into we're just going into bold predictions. Clark already said Aaron Rodgers is a top five QB. My bold prediction is Cam Newton's a top twenty-five quarterback lock. Like the if he's going to not sign with a team until the league until the season actually starts, that means he's going to sign with a team whose quarterback gets injured and is looking to like still make a playoff push, which means they're gonna be a good t- like if Ben Roethlisberger gets injured again, are the Steelers going to go with Mason Rudolph again? Hell no. They're going to go get Cam Newton, and Cam Newton's going to be in that Steelers offense. And it's like, great. That's the top 25 production right there, hands down. I would Last pick of the draft, I would spend on Cam Newton without a doubt because he's going to get signed, and he's going to get signed to a team where they're like, Cam, save us, and Cam's going to save him because Cam's a good fucking quarterback. Yeah, I think especially in two QB leagues, uh, you won't be able to take him with your last pick because someone will probably be sharper than that. But taking him and just understanding that it's a long off season, and yeah, we are one torn rotate, rotator cuff away from some team taking a taking. Unless a you're Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde doesn't need <laughs> rotator cuffs. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> or labiums. Which one was it? Labium. Labium. Yeah. Labium. Still. Yeah. Joke story. No, there's there's no such thing as a labium. Lines. It's a labrum. That's <laughs> no, a labium. Labium. No, I know don't we're science. Combining, okay, <laughs> well, we're combining female anatomy with something else here. Uh, I think we should move on. Uh, okay. But yeah, that's my bold prediction is that Cam, despite the fact that he doesn't have a team right now, is going to be a top 25 quarterback in fantasy this year. If you're a redraft league that just has a ridiculously deep bench, like why not use a pick on him and it's unfortunate, but like a starting QB generally goes down at some point. So if he's the guy that's getting a call, like, yeah. yeah. Bing pot. Uh, Jordan, what's uh, your bold prediction for the quarterback position this year? Uh, my bold prediction kind of blends into what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, I, I think Baker Mayfield will be a top 12 QB and just kind of back into relevancy. I think he got written off fairly quickly last season, which was only his sophomore year. Um, he wasn't really given that long of a string. I think it, I mean, partially had to do with Lamar Jackson just blowing up in his sophomore year and leaving all the other quarterbacks in the, that draft in the dust. Well, save for Josh Allen. But um, I, I think that with him being ranked as QB 19 last season, um, that he will be able to move up a few notches. Again, this is um, going to be him having more familiarity with Odell um, another season with Jarvis Landry. If they keep David and Joku around, that's another um, weapon who for the first couple of games last season looked like he was going to be 
um, a real factor in that offense. They obviously brought in Austin Hooper as well, so they're going to run a lot of um, two tight end sets if they keep Njoku around, or at least they should. Um, and they also um, they fixed up the offensive line a little bit. You know, they drafted Jedrick Wills, uh, brought in Jack Conklin. Uh, that's something that will benefit Baker a lot. Hopefully he's not um, drifting around and making as many errant throws on long developing plays um, and bring them back into top 12 fantasy relevance again. I like it. I like it a lot. Nick, what's your bold prediction? Uh, I'm, I think we're all kind of just running the same show here. We're bringing it back to somebody we talked about earlier. Uh, I, I'm just so pleased with what is on the table for Carson Wentz this year that I think he's got a shot at the top five. I don't know if I'll go, you know, say that he's a lock for it, but the, the way that they've built that team around them, their, their past defense schedule. And, and like they, they, they face a number of teams that they're probably just going to pummel, but then there are some that are good with bad defense. So, you know, they get to, to face Washington twice, uh, Bengals, the giants twice, like, and, and, you know, the, take a hat back to, to uh, Tyler Murray. They get to play the Cardinals in, in week 15. There's just so many things about this that like, I, I, I'm really, really high on Carson Wentz this year. Nice. Good for you, Nick. <laughs> uh, all right, let's wrap this up. Who is the number one quarterback target for you this year in fantasy? Clark, start us off. Just anywhere in the draft, who are you like, I am going to be trying to get him on my squad? Mine's Aaron Rodgers. At QB 12, that's insane. I'll, I'll gladly <laughs> take the chance. Jordan, how about you? Um, at the right price, I want to get Patrick Mahomes. Um, he finished as the QB two last season and he played 14 games and like, wasn't all the way himself for like another two games. So like, that's pretty good. Patrick Mahomes is a cheat code and he and Lamar, are, like the only ones I think are worth drafting towards the, like the second round, maybe Dak a little bit after that. Nick yourself, Carson Wentz, maybe. Uh, no, it's, it's actually, it's Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I know that he's a bit of a risk with the, the elbow and I can't stand them as a person, but he's being drafted as the QB 17 and they face the easiest slate of pass defenses this year. I think that's kind of too much to pass up. Juju, he gets to kick inside full time now or, or majority of his routes. Deontay Johnson fully established himself as like their ex receiver and they're, they're adding chase Claypool to compete with, uh, what's with, uh, James Washington. Um, I, I they got weapons. Yeah. I think it's set really nicely. And, and finally, James Connor, he, he's fully healthy right now and he great pass catching back. I, 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 uh, I think it's going to be a, an offense that we're kind of sleeping on. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, my guy, I love Matt Stafford in fantasy. He's just always a guy you can get towards the back end of drafts who will like pretty regularly give you top eight to top five production without fail as long as he stays healthy. I think a guy who is a sleeper who I'm also going to be targeting is Jimmy G. He's going QB 20 right now. He's finished. He finished QB 13 last year. Uh, is that right? QB 14 last year. Excuse me. And with Kyle Shanahan, just like cooped up in his room thinking of new crazy shit. This as we're all stuck in a quarantine, I kind of think this 49ers offense could be even crazier than what we saw last year. And so I'll buy me some Jimmy G if he comes at a real cheap discount because people are always thinking about the run game in, 40, in San Francisco rather than the passing attack. Plus, he's good looking and you always want good looking guys on your fantasy team. I'm into it. 12th 12, 12 softest uh, slate of pass defenses. And they got uh, I really like the Brandon IU draft pick. I, I think it's awesome. And I think the the holdup with Jimmy G is that he's not well. Let's say this diplomatically uh, doesn't process things as quickly as some others at the position. Uh, so having another year of doing the exact same thing, it's not unreasonable to think that he takes a step forward. Cool beans. All right. Well, like what we said at the earlier start of the show, we're going to be doing running backs next week. Same same topics. We'll maybe we'll bring a little more clarity to what this uh, won't live up to the hype slash fall out of the top twelve is uh, for next week, or it'll just be a whatever you want it to be thing. Which is you know, hey, who who says no? Uh, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We are there: iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, leave us a review. Give us five stars. Leave us a comment. If you ask us a question in the comments, we'll make sure to answer it on the podcast. So, I mean, if you want to know, I don't know, what Jordan uses on his mustache, what kind of product he uses, then 
we can tell you, but only if you ask us that question uh, and only if you listen. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Uh, Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nicholas at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Until then. Peace.